Welcome to the Student of the Game Fire Podcast with your host, Danny B. Today's guest is Scott Sanders, fourth generation firefighter with 27 years of career and volunteer experience. Currently a captain on Truck 5 with Gwinnett County Fire and Emergency Services in Georgia. Part-time firefighter for the city of Jefferson and cadre member with Bears of the Oath. Scott lives and breathes the fire service and isn't afraid to talk about the ups and downs it can bring to an individual's mind, body, and spirit. He also wants others within the service to be sure not to forget what's truly important, and that's family. With that, I present Mr. Scott Sanders. My name's Scott Sanders. Um, how do I get the fire service? So I uh, guess my introduction to fire service came when I was uh, real young, a kid. My dad was a volunteer when I was growing up. And I didn't really understand what he was doing all the time, but I always thought it was kind of neat. Um, our, our house was right up the road. I mean, literally, it was in the earshot. I could now I could hit a, a good driver and pitching wedge there, you know, kind of tell you the distance. Always uh, when the old brick pagers were around and it would go off. I could always walk on the back porch and see the guys leaving. So I didn't really understand all of that. But fast forward when I was around eight years old-ish, it was the day after Christmas around 1986, our house caught fire, and uh, Mom told me to get Dad. So there was uh, there was no 911 in Jackson County then. So I had to run to my dad's chicken house, which I forgot to say earlier, was a, a gravel dirt road. And it was uh, freezing temperatures, and I was running there with my uh, – Superman underwear on was all I had on because my mom always reminds me of that. And I was crying the entire way because I thought I was going to lose all my toys that I just got prior from Santa. So I guess that's when I, uh, I kind of had a really good idea that I would be like my dad. I didn't know it yet, but I think something clicked. Um, so my dad was also one of the uh, founding members of the Flaming uh, Volunteer Fire Department, which is in North Jackson County, Georgia, still very rural, even to this day. Uh, and when I was old enough to really understand, he told me they had to take money out of their pockets to buy equipment, put fuel in trucks, make repairs, because there wasn't really a whole lot of uh, tax money <laughs> coming in at the time. My uh, my dad volunteered from uh, 1977 when Plainview started uh, until 2017, and uh, he eventually retired as chief of department. So outside of uh, the two fires that occurred at our own house, all of them resulting from a chimney, brick and mortar chimney. Uh, I guess like every other little boy in America, uh, we just like that, and that's kind of. Uh, I guess that's kind of how it started, man. Um, uh, 1996, I had graduated from high school, and uh, I didn't have any of my fire certs. I was at home in the bed, and it was probably, I don't know, 5.30, in the morning. My dad also drove a school bus for Jackson County. Been there for 43 years, maybe. Uh my upstairs door flies open and mom says, <clears throat> the church is on fire. And I'm like, well, what do you want me to do about it? 
She's like, you got to go help. And I was like, okay. I had no idea. So, uh, I, of course, you know, it's mom. You know, you're going to do what she asks, right? Mm-hmm. So I go, I go downstairs. I was driving a, uh, my Ford Ranger at the time. I threw it in reverse and off I go. The pumper had already pulled out. And I didn't know what headers were back then. I knew something big was on fire. Can you look out towards the church? It was Center Grove Baptist Church. It was a, uh, I think when it burned, it was a hundred and a hundred plus years old, you know, heart pine. And I just knew it was, it, something was, some, something big was on fire and you could see it in the distance. And uh, first fire, I think it was uh, August 1996. Probably still one of the biggest fires I've ever been on. Um, 100-plus-year-old church, Heart Pine. Closest fire hydrant was five-plus miles away. I think it was probably one of the only general alarms that I think that I've ever been a part of where the entire county was there, plus neighboring counties. Uh, first time I ever saw a ladder truck, the uh, city of Gainesville had a, uh, I didn't know what it was at the time, it was a tractor drone, you know, bendy truck. Mm-hmm. It shows up. Golly, that thing was almost brand new. They flowed that thing for maybe two tanks of water. They packed it up and left. I didn't know why. Well, you got to have water flow things. And there's only so much you can do off drop tanks. So I guess that was the first two fires. And both of them were fires. You know, one at my own home. And then, uh, of course, that one where I was kind of, you know, mom said go and I'm still doing, you know, 20, almost May, you know, we ish 28 years next year so kind of neat again kind of weird story okay okay um uh besides your father and yourself are you the only one in in the family that's in the fire service fourth generation fourth generation Uh, yep (laughs) so my grandfather he passed away two years ago so my grandfather was a volunteer at Plainview he was also one of the founding members. Uh, my dad, my brother. My brother is a uh, battalion chief with the Hall County Fire Department, which is uh, in Gainesville, which is just north where I work full time. So he uh, he started in 2002, I believe, in Hall County. And uh, I'm, very, I'm very proud of him. So. You do it very well. Okay. And, older, uh, older, or yo- older or younger? He is three years younger. He will turn, golly, I'll be, hold on now. I'll be 46 in May, and he'll be 43 uh, in February, February 25th. He'll be uh, he'll be 43, so he's three years younger than me-ish. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I, I take it he followed your footsteps. Or was it? Yeah, we'll, uh, I'm gonna take a jab at him real quick, and I'm gonna make sure he listens to this. Uh, he does. He's oh, wife sending me Instagram Instagram posts. Crazy head. Um. So I love love I love the fire service. I love everything it stands for. Uh, I think everything the fire service stands for is everything that my parents. Um, brought me up and uh, <clears throat> instilled in me is be a good person. <clears throat> Always help those that can't help themselves. 
and did the right thing. Right. So he used to make fun of me. And uh, I mean, I've never went anywhere without my pager. Pager on the radio, my gear was always in the back of my truck. And he used to make fun of me, call me Firefighter Fred. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then he got exposed to it. And uh, Rob, my brother, has always been a good athlete. A uh, very hardworking guy. Uh, you know, we have our differences, but I think we have more similarities than we do differences. We just don't want to let each other know about it. Uh, we, uh, like I said, both worked for Hall County. That's where I got my start at career. And uh, when he applied, um, I decided it was my time to uh, go to another department. That's when I made my change, and I left Hall County, and I'm where I'm at now with the uh, Gwinnett County Fire Department. Okay. Uh, fourth generation, man, so pretty cool. Yeah, no, absolutely. Or whatever it is. Absolutely. I'm not good with numbers sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> um, for those that don't know, can you tell us about Gwinnett County, the size, how many stations, personnel? call volume things oh, that oh man it's uh i tell you what it's a good fire department um i would not be where i'm at today professionally without that place so gwinnett county is um the largest fire service district in the state of georgia mm. uh we cover 436 square miles uh daily uh we have in service 31 engine companies 12 truck companies, two squad companies, which are manpower uh, squads, um, two air lot units, take rescue, swift water, hazmat, and we also have just added uh, uh, two additional med units. We do uh, EMS uh, transport for the county, and we have 33 ambulances in service, which are all ALS every day, and then three light rescues, which are designed and place and service to keep the mileage off of our uh, engine and truck companies for running the uh, some of the EMS calls. Um, have about uh, 1,100 people now, approximated, and uh, we're still growing. I looked at, I was off yesterday, but I was on the Chiefs car prior to it. I think the last run I had was about two in the morning, and I think we had just uh, Rolled over 111,000 calls for the year. Damn. So we're busy. We're yeah. very busy. Yeah. Um, I, I, uh, you said the largest uh, county department in, in, in Georgia. So does that mean you guys uh, beat out Atlanta? Well, no, it's the largest fire service district, which is pretty much land area. Gotcha. Land area. Uh, you know, Atlanta, DeKalb, Gwinnett, we're all right there with call volume. Okay. Uh, tomato, tomato. The fire volume in Atlanta, the cabs definitely, you know, more than ours. But I mean, it's not a huge difference now. Okay. Like I said, I, I got a lot of really good friends that are firemen in Atlanta. My best friend was my wedding. It was actually my smoke buddy from the Georgia Smoke Driver Programs, a lieutenant on uh, Atlanta's heavy rescue squad four. Of course, you know, we're always jabbing each other. Uh, you know, Atlanta goes to fires, the gap goes to fires, but you know, we go to our fair share too. Okay. We go to a lot. Okay. 
Um, would it be safe to say that um, you, all three of those departments can definitely work in ha hand in hand on calls, like since you guys border up to each other? Yes and no. It's definitely um, a more palatable statement now than it was when I started. Okay. Uh, years ago, you know, Atlanta was Atlanta, the cab was the cab, and we were going at. And we, you don't, you know, you don't play my sandbox, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think as we have had attrition, as have we have had changes of leadership, I think that I would be very comfortable saying that everybody is there for each other more now than they ever were before, and. I think that it's more of a team effort when it comes to helping somebody that needs help, regardless of rank, regardless of, you know, what career turnout gear is or what the uh, the name on the, on the top of your jacket is, whether it's Atlanta, Cap, Gornet, Jefferson, it doesn't matter. Uh, like I said, there are operational differences, yes, but I think in the, the day, you know, we're firefighters. You know, we're going to persevere we're going to make it happen. Mm -hmm. uh, there, you know, whether, you know, a department's running blue card or somebody's still running, you know, just fire command. At the end of the day, it's the same thing. We're going to put water on fire. We get our searches done. The terminology may be different, but I think that, yeah, I'd be uh, a lot more comfortable saying now, yes, than I would 20 years ago. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, my first question to you, your opinion only, what does the term aggressive mean to you? So I'll skip all the uh, Merriam-Webster citations <laughs> and quotations from the internet and memes. Uh, so aggressive behavior as it relates to how we approach the art of firefighting. And yes, it is an art. Um, and the fire service today all comes back to where you work your work history, your level of physical fitness, and yes, that matters, your level of training experience, and the most important one is who you work with. Uh, the term aggressive to me means something completely different maybe to somebody else that works in a more risk-adverse area or department. So we're going to define aggressive in Scott Sanders' terms. Mm. So that's aggressive to me is what I am willing to risk for my family and my property Okay, my family's trapped in a structure fire or any other circumstance that requires immediate action. And I will apply that same level of aggression towards any other person that is in the same situation. So if you're not willing to do something for your family, why are you willing to do it for so, a complete stranger? So aggressive, you have to be able to apply all the time. Okay, and we'll take it one step further. So we owe it to everyone that we respond to regardless, everybody. There's also a marked difference between aggressive and reckless. Uh, the main difference, in my opinion, is the amount of training, experience, job knowledge, physical fitness, and the trust. Trust is huge in the people that you surround yourself with. Reckless behavior is someone that tries to apply aggressive actions Without the items I listed earlier, you can't be aggressive if you don't have all the things I just, I just talked about. If you don't have the training, you don't have the experience, you don't have the right people, okay? 
But you got to be aggressive at everything that you do in life. Being an aggressive Christian, being an aggressive husband, wife, father, brother, son, and fireman. If you can't be aggressive in the other things I just talked about, if you can't put your faith first, you can't put your family right for that, then you can't be aggressive in anything because you've got to have those other things. You've got to have that support system to allow you to be aggressive. So aggressive behavior is not just in the fire department. Aggressive behavior is something that you carry with you all the time. You have got to be intentional in your actions. And I guess, really, I don't want to say aggressive is really maybe the best term sometimes. I think intentional. So if you're intentional in every decision you make, every action you take, then by default, you're going to be aggressive. Does that make sense? Right. Maybe it's just the way that I'm looking at it. Um, my dad also used to tell me, too, that, uh, God, you got, you got to think about the future. You got to think about the future. I used to tell him, Dad, you know, <clears throat> I live today for today because tomorrow is not guaranteed. Um, and that's the thing. You live every day. For what the what I'm sorry, live every single day for that day without regret in an aggressive manner because tomorrow is not guaranteed. And the longer you do this job, the more that really hits home. You know, we've all seen the bad stuff. You know, good things happening to bad people and bad things happening to good people. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You think mm -hmm. it would be reversed, right? But it's not. And you know, we don't have control of that. Our control is to be intentional, be aggressive, and try to help people reach that second day, to reach that, you know, that next birthday, to reach that next anniversary, to walk your child down the aisle, you know, to attend that graduation. So, you know, I was that guy once, man. You know, aggressive to me was burned up helmets, you know, blacked out gear, you know, all that stuff. And that stuff's cool, man. It has a place. But, man, now as I've gotten older, you know, I want to be aggressive about what I do today to prepare me for tomorrow. The guys I interact with today to prepare them for their future. The people that I run on today to help them see that next birthday, that next anniversary, to walk their kid down the aisle. You know, that's the things I think sometimes we get lost in. And I look, you look, hey, I was there, man. I beat my chest. I'm a fireman. I work here. I work there. But you know, it's not really about that as I've gotten older. It's just, it's just not. It's about doing the right thing to help people have that second opportunity. It's just me. No, I, I love the answer. I love the answer. I love the humility because we've all been there. You know, when uh, uh, I remember the days of me not wanting to wash my volunteer gear because it smelled like smoke and I thought it was cool. And, you know, I mean, we all did that, that you know, that that dumbness. But, you know, right. I, like, like you said, as you get older and you get wiser, I mean, yeah, you start realizing, especially when you have a family, a wife and, and children, you, you realize what your priorities are now. Yeah. Um, and that's like you said, you, you said it right there. And without that, none of us would be where we are today. You know, having that. That support at home allows us allows us to have the ability to make aggressive decisions, to be intentional in our actions. Because at some point, well, I'm sure we're going to talk about it later about the toll of this job. And without that at home, none of this that I'll be able to do so far, and nothing I'll be able to accomplish in the future will be possible. 
No, I agreed. Agreed. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Agreed. Um, so you are now you are now a captain on on, on truck five. Yes. Sir. Uh, climbing through the ranks of Gwinnett County was was being a captain always the end goal for you, or is it the end goal? Do you, do you strive to to go <clears throat> any higher, or or is captain it for you? Wow. Um. All right. So our department. Um. We're big, man. We're big. We're still growing. So a few years ago, they sent out a, um, I don't want to say a survey, but a questionnaire that, you know, what are your pretty much goals, mm -hmm. especially in the organization? And um, I wrote on there that I wanted to be a captain on a heavy rescue. And I have that opportunity. Uh, we don't run per se what they call a true heavy rescue in Gwinnett. We are we are moving that direction. We run two their F550 quick response vehicles. One of them is the support vehicle for hazmat, one's the support vehicle for tech rescue and our collapse team. But we've outgrown that model. So I've had that opportunity. And um so my three career goals, and I've met all three of them so far, and we'll talk about the second part of this, the two-part question, is uh, I wanted to make captain, and I did that in April 2016. Uh, my second career goal was to attend and successfully complete the Georgia Smoke Diver Program. I did that in November 2017, and then in May of 2018, I got my bachelor's degree. That was my three career goals. Uh, right before, I guess right after I made captain, I swore that I would never be a chief officer. And it was just, you know, every time you see a chief's car pull up, historically, it's they're always bringing bad news or, you know, some, no, nothing good is going to come out of their visit, right? <laughs> As I've gotten older, you know, I've also come to understand that if we had done our jobs, we had done what was asked of us, if we had understand, understood the policies that, as they were written, then they wouldn't be showing up. They would be showing up with, you know, a sack full of presents and, you know, joy to spread it to everybody. That's just not the way it is. Now, I think our, our culture's changed. Uh, also, my, my career has changed. Um, my body is starting to tell me that it, it, it's it's getting time to maybe take that next step. My family is telling me maybe it's time to take that next step. So let's fast forward to today. Am I going to jump up and down if I don't get the next step? I'm not. You know, I'm in, I'm in one of the best positions, if not the best position that I have ever been in in my career. Firehouse 5 shift. You know, them boys, I know without a doubt that they would walk to the hell, you know, the fire gates of hell with me with a water pistol in their hands if I asked them to. There will be no questions. Um, and um, it would be really hard to let go of that. But at the same time, I knew if I did take that next step, that that would allow those guys the opportunity to grow without me. It would allow those guys to take the next step 
and to instill the same values that I hope that I've instilled in them. It would also allow me to have a bigger impact, a bigger footprint to take the values that I know that me and you share and that my dad has instilled in me and that David Rhodes, you know, with the Smoke Dyer program instilled in us when we were, you know, going through that process. So it's about, it's not always about us. It's about what's doing right for everyone. So, yes, it's, uh, I'm going to say it's, yes. Now I would, I would be a lot more willing now than I would say even three years ago. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I'm assuming with, with you being a company officer now, you've, you've had your fair share of good officers, bad officers. You've seen the good traits, the bad traits. And I'm sure you told yourself, if I ever get to this position, I'm, I'm not going to do what I saw this officer do. I'm going to try to do what, you know, the, the, the other good officer did. So how do you, how do you try to infect, which it sounds like you, your crew's already dialed in. So how do you try to affect positive change while you're in your position now, as far as a leadership standpoint? So, all right, I'll preface that with this. Everybody has good days. Everybody has bad days. We're human. We're not robots. Um, the only thing that you have control over every single day that you show up to the firehouse, that you show up to your part-time family gatherings, wherever it may be, you have one singular thing that you and you only have control over, and that's attitude. So I think for me is showing up to the firehouse with the right attitude. Uh, because if you show up with a good attitude, you also show up with the right mindset. So for me, I want to instill in those guys that the fire department is still a blue-collar job. You have to put in the work to be good at it. Firefighting is a perishable skill. If you do not stay on top of the game, those perishable skills are going to vanish and that's when people are going to start to perish. Um, I think that the old adage of you practice the way you play, that's nonsense, man. Look at the NFL teams. Look at the professional players. Okay? It's about building muscle memory. It doesn't matter if you're fully geared out, breathing air, or if you're just, you know, wearing your structural firefighting gloves. <clears throat> You've got to build muscle memory. And muscle memory, I spoke about it earlier, about my intentional actions. All movements are intentional. And that's where physical fitness comes in. And we work out every single day when we can. That makes mm -hmm. sense. Mm -hmm. So I think me showing up to the firehouse with the right attitude, which leads to the proper mindset, is going to spill over to those guys' attitude, their mindset, their desire to want to put the work in that day to make sure 
that we are staying on top of the public's expectation for us. Our fighting, yes, EMS, you know, it don't matter if you do transport or not, still majority of our calls are EMS. And I've, you know, I've, I've been that guy, ah, another EMS run, but you know what, man? <clears throat> For the most part, if they didn't need us, they wouldn't call us. I know some people do it just because, but interact with people the way that you would want the people interact with your family. Everybody deserves the opportunity to have a better day. So that all goes back to what I said, attitude. Love the answer. Love the answer. Um. <clears throat> With you being a company officer, how important is communication amongst the rank and file within your department from the top down and vice versa from the bottom up? Wow. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Uh, all the while I do death reports, I'll go back to what? Ineffective communication, ineffective command. Mm -hmm. To this day, we're still talking about communication. Have we gotten better? Yes. And you interject COVID. Oh, Lord. <laughs> now everything is, you know, a Zoom or it's a Microsoft Teams or whatever. And I think that really took some of the human interaction out of things. And now we're still struggling to get back to that human interaction. Uh, it's very important, man. Uh, <clears throat> and does, it doesn't always have to be business related. You know, just talk to people about how their day is going, how are things going at home? Uh, because if you don't really understand the person or the people, you know, it's really hard to send the expectation of excellence when you don't understand what's going on in here. Mm-hmm. Um, and everybody's not always going to be on their A game. Let's just face it. We're just not. So that communication is a book that has multiple pages. We just got to keep flipping it, right? Uh, we've gotten better. Um, I'm not a huge email person, but you know what, man? It's, it's fixed to be 2024. I get it. There's a lot of information out there that they want to share. But at some point, we're talking about that. Do you really get into information overload? Does really everything need to be shared all the time? Uh, some people argue yes and no. Um, but I said the communication process, um, I think with us, I think at the operations level, how about that? Field ops okay. is very good. We're really good at talking to each other. Okay, but really the biggest part of that, are we really effective listeners? Right. A lot of times we do a really good job of talking and of sharing, but do we really do a good job of shutting it down once we have asked the question and just listen? So I think that's the biggest problem I'm not going to say my fire department. I'm going to think, I'm going to say society in general. Are we really effective listeners? 
And a lot of the things I think that we could solve, the problems we're having would be solved if we did a better job of turning on the two ears that God gave us. Okay. I like the answer. <laughs> um, my next question for you. You, you know, you, you, can, you, can have your, you can have your drink. It's fine. It's fine. I'm sponsored. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. The guys, uh, the guys at the firehouse would beg to differ. <laughs> um, do you believe, your opinion, should there be a years of service clause for promotion? So what, what I'm trying to ask is, do you believe in order to move up in rank, you have to have a certain amount of time in that specific rank to move to the next? Mm, let's see here. I actually wrote this one down. I was going to find it for a second. Mm, okay. So, yes and no. Okay. So, there is a huge difference between 20 years of service and 20 years on the job. I know plenty of really good firemen that are darn good at their jobs, that are junior to a lot of other members. So I think there is a huge difference between 20 years on the job and learning every day and 20 years of repeating your first career over and over, kind of like Groundhog Day. Uh, I think the biggest thing about tenure in the fire service is maturity. Knowing that the fire service is still a male-dominated a male-dominated um, industry. I think that we don't do a good job of maturing as fast as our counterparts, our wives, you know, the females. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so this is something that I struggle with, and I still at times struggle with a little bit. So some people do, in fact, mature faster than others. Um, so I think the biggest thing... Uh, about being good at this job and great at the job is being able to deal with people on a personal level and not a policy-driven level. So I'm going to go back to what Chief Rhodes told me. So he told us all. As they told me, he told us all. Everybody goes to the program. <clears throat> We're not in the fire business. We're in the people business. And I couldn't agree more on that statement. We are here to take care of people no matter what their need is. So if you can't take a step back, and this goes for promotion because maturity goes hand in hand and understand that we're just here to take care of each other. We're take, here to take care of people. We're not just firemen. And I think that until you can grasp that concept, that I don't think you should be in charge of people especially younger firefighters, you know, that we need. Because, you know, still, hey, firefighter is a young man's game. I don't care how bad you think you are, your body's going to differ. Mm -hmm. You know, and I still get out here and I put 100, by, uh, 100 miles on my bike every week, if not more. I still do my CrossFit. Uh, I still work out. But you, this right here is going to paint a different picture and what's going on in here. All right. The struggle. The struggle is real. Right. So, yes, I think there should – depends. I think there should be a maturity clause for promotion because until you can show 
the ability to be mature. Maturity goes hand in hand with trust and respect. Because just like anything else, trust and respect is one of those things that takes a lifetime to earn, but only a few seconds to lose. And that goes with being mature. I, I could say that you're the first to ever say possibly a maturity clause that that's, I mean, yes, because especially nowadays how, you know, um, the fire service is having a hard time uh, keeping members are, are what I would say our old heads are retiring out due to age, due to years of service. And a lot of departments are seeing a shift where, a majority of their personnel have either less than 10 years, less than five years on the job, and they're already promoted to company officer. Yes. So I, I actually like that, like that idea a lot of, of maturity because so, I mean, you, you know, that's, yeah. I mean, I know some, some really good dudes who, who are good firemen, but like around the firehouse, man, it's like little children that you got to, keep you know you got to make sure that they're you you, you got to corral them around to make sure that they're not wandering off places i get that and i, I can't wait till this gets out and uh, i'm gonna get some phone calls i'll get some text messages which i'm okay with um and i'm still a kid at heart i still think to be a good fireman to be an effective leader you still have to have at times at times, mm -hmm. the ability to be a kid because what does every child want to do? Right. They want to be a fireman. You know, I've never, I've, I've never seen a kid, you know, jump with joy when a garbage truck goes by. I've never seen a kid jump with joy, you know, when, you know, maybe even a police car. Yes, y'all could have been fired if we store hired. Um, but every child is owed the opportunity until until you can you know still be able to interact with them um, and have the ability to shift gears, you know, to to be that mature leader, to be that mature person, but at the same time be able to shift that gear and then still be a kid at heart. I think that's the way that you can really relate. Uh, I mean, I'm sure at your firehouse too, you're full-time and you're part-time. How often these come out a shift? A lot. So talk about maturity. Look at the amount of trouble that we are getting ourselves into on social media. As departments, as individuals, as fire companies, you know, as bosses, you know, I still get on social media, but I try my best to share training stuff stuff that i see and go hey this is cool this might work have i been it at times yes 100 percent. should i have no I have learned that oh uh, come on here you want to come say hey come here come say hey danny come here Let's hello see. hi hi how are you good <laughs> good okay how's mommy doing so, yeah, um, like I said, if you'd ask Scott Sanders a few years ago, you wouldn't have got the same answer. Okay. He's one. Okay. And that right there, just walked in, mm -hmm. is the main reason 
that we make certain choices and we make certain changes because they look up to us. Absolutely. The right thing to treat people with respect. How can I ask my daughter to act a certain way or to treat people a certain way if I can't do the same thing myself? And that is our job as company officers is to set that example, to have that mindset, to make sure that we are interacting with the people that depend on us to do the right thing when no one else is looking or no one else is listening. Mm-hmm. Get that right, baby. <laughs> Big facts. Big facts. Um, how important, which I, I, I'm pretty sure I know how, where this is going to go, but how important is physical fitness to you in this job? Uh, because one thing I, I, I still can't grasp my head around are individuals who, and like I said, time and a place for everything, but individuals who consistently day in, day out, just want to come into work, sit in the recliners, do as least as possible, complain when it's time to go train, even if it's just for an hour. How big is physical fitness for us? Oh, this is easy. Until something bad happens to you or until something bad happens to your family and the people that you depend on show up and can't do the job, you will never get it. Um, or you've been on a scene where things could have went a lot better if they just could have done that one extra thing, had that one extra bottle. Um, so, yeah, um, physical fitness is huge. Now, I will tell you this. Early 2000s, Scott Sanders would have differed. Because what did I have then? I had my youth. Youth, yeah. I don't have that anymore, okay? We are able to get away with more by default when we were younger was cause God gave us that youth. He gave us that spirit. He gave us that very high testosterone level. Well, let's fast forward 27, almost 28 years. Okay. I don't have that youth anymore. I don't have that high testosterone level that I used to because it's been taken from me from lack of sleep, from the, all the bad stuff. Okay. Uh, now I'm a father, you know, so they're always needing this, needing that, which that's the reason I'm here. That's the reason I go to the firehouse is so I can give them what they want. Um, and by default, get what I want by helping people. Uh, so physical fitness is very important. Um, and I see it through her eyes. Um, she can't do it right now because one of her Christmas presents she asked for was a walking boot. I don't know. <laughs> you know how many times heart i'll be working out have you done a burpee can you climb the rope by yourself yes. can you do push-ups so the things that i do are viewed through a child's eyes so if i can't set an example of being and maintaining a certain level of physical fitness to for me to do my job here then how can i expect her to do the same thing so physical fitness is important um uh, we are America is the most obese country in the entire world. So with that being said, physical fitness is a must. Um, look at firemen. You know, I think there should be a physical fitness cause for promotion. 
if you cannot do your job, if you cannot do your job, why are you in charge of people that you expect to do the same thing? Right. So I did mention that uh, a while back uh, to our, our former chiefs. And he actually, he would be extremely difficult. And I'm like, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. We already have our, our PPE that you have to do to get hired. You have to do to get rehired, not, not rehired, to come back from a long-term injury or an absence. Why don't we just make that part of the grading scale and put that in there? So when you do go up for a competitive promotion, you know, part of that competitive nature, hopefully in us, is going to allow us to maintain that physical fitness level that I think everybody deserves. You know, how can you sit on on the couch or behind that computer screen uh, and just constantly, you know, read, formate, uh, formulate emails or eat a bag of Cheetos. You've got to put the work in. You've got to put the sweat in. Uh, like I said, you know, we mentioned earlier, firefighting is a perishable skill. Um, and a huge part of that is your physical fitness level. So, yeah. Okay. All right. I'm sorry. No, no, no. You're fine. You're fine. Um, got two more. I got two more questions I want to ask you. Um, how did you become a part of the cadre group? Bears of the oath. Like man. Like let me get a little sweatshirt off. I'm getting a little hot here. <laughs> my mouth's overheating my body. Oh, uh, so. Uh, let's see, I don't know what year it was. So, it was... so I don't remember exactly what year it was. It's been, say, four, five, six years ago. Mm -hmm. Had no clue who Shane Bentley was. No idea. If I'd saw him in the street, couldn't tell you. So I got uh, invited up to the uh, Franklin County uh, Firefighters Association annual training. And that's where I met Shane. So um, really, really neat opportunity. Uh, I knew a lot of the guys up there from passing. I knew a lot of the guys up there because they work professionally in the same organization I work in. So I got assigned to teach conventional forceful entry, which I absolutely love. So, and I kept seeing this redheaded fella. And I met Shane. You know, he, he was just sitting there just listening and listening and listening. And he just, he'd walk away and he'd come back. He'd walk away and he'd come back. And uh, had a great day. Had some great brotherhood, sisterhood. Um, I'm hoping that some of the stuff I talk to people, I talk to, you know, that, that, that it ingrained in them. Um, so, two day event, I was there on day one. Yeah, the next morning, I wasn't going to go back. Like, nah. Maybe I had too few mean beers that night. I was like, ah, Kelly said, just go. She said, they expect you to be there. Go. So, went went there and kind of never looked back, you know. And after that, uh, Shane called me up. We uh, built a, a really good friendship. Uh, I consider him one of my brothers. Uh, he would do anything for me, just like I would do anything for him. Uh, one of the few people that calls me uh, weekly, if not daily, to see how I'm doing. And I try to do the same thing. 
And um, he have approached me one day and said, hey, um, what do you think about this? And it's when he was talking about uh, the Bears together. So I was part of, I guess, uh, he called it the first five. So I was one of these first five members of the, uh, the Bears of the Oath. And it's been fantastic. You know, we've had our, our growing pains. Um, we have had the opportunity to really be infectious. I mean, I never thought I'd be out in the state of Texas teaching. Mm-hmm. Uh, opportunity next year is coming up and going to Maryland. Um, I got to meet some unbelievable people. Um, so I met some people like, you know, I met Corey Moore, Andy Starnes, uh, Dennis Riley, uh, Justin Fraze, a boy from the colony. I never would have had the opportunity to, you know, develop these friendships if it wasn't for Bears of the Oath. Uh, so that's how I got started in that. And it's been a great journey so far. You know, Jay Michael Mueller, unfortunately, lost him last year. We got to go up to uh, Sevier County and teach at the inaugural uh, J. Michael Mueller uh, fundraiser. Uh, wow. You know, just this, the, uh, the sweat equity, uh, the brotherhood. Um, those are things that I would have never got to experience if Shane had not afforded me the opportunity to come in and um, – be a part of something that's bigger than myself. That's just like the fire service. You know, we're part of something bigger than ourselves. And we've always got to remember that. Definitely. So, yeah, um, I'm, I'm excited for the future. It's going to be good. Got a lot yeah. of good things and um, it'll be fun. All right. Um, last question for you. Uh, you. You said you wanted to hit on this before we before we ended this interview. Um, the toll that this job has on each and every one of us. Of course, we all know it affects everybody differently. Everybody takes what what they see, whether it's good or bad, in a different way. No two individuals are alike. But I know you said you wanted to hit on this before we ended it. I'm trying to get the mindset. No, you're oh. fine. Take your time. I mean, uh, um, it's something that is becoming more mainstream. And it should have been mainstream when I got hired back in the late 90s. Um, but it was suck it up. Mm-hmm. Uh, get over it. Go have you a beer. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, this will come full, full circle. Um, you know, having a beer turns into two beers, two beers turns into 10 beers, and then 10 beers turns into a problem. And sometimes problems cause other problems. So you're trying to put a Band-Aid over something that you can't solve by yourself. Um, and I've mentioned this earlier is family. So I waited probably later in life to get married the most. Um, 
I met my wife and we got married. I was 36 years old. Our 10 year anniversary will be uh, next October. Um, I'll go out, I'll tell her about all the time. If it wasn't for me meeting her, I'd be dead right now. Um, I was going down the wrong road real fast. Um, you know, you talk about being busy. You talk about going to fires, in jobs, the real stuff. But what you don't realize is going to that stuff. The only thing you're going to if you can't control it's an early grave um, Blake Sinet he runs next rung I met him through Bears the Oath um, whether it's the National Suicide Hotline uh, next rung there's so many different areas out there to get help the number one, it's in every community or church. You can't let this job consume you. And when I say consume you, you can't let it consume you to the point <clears throat> that you ruin everything that's the most important, which is your family, your health, uh, your career that gets to that point. So... It's like it runs in a vicious cycle. You know, you'll go a while, things will be going good, and you'll go through a point there, things sucks. You know, you're having problems sleeping, you're having problems with drinking, you're having problems with your relationships at home and at work. But until you can get a grasp on that, then it's just going to continue to consume you in a very negative manner. Um, a few years ago, um, we just, I just had a run of what people would call good calls. Now I look back and go, it's just, it's just a, it's a run of bad luck. You know, we had a, we had a van roll over on the interstate, 15 passenger van. Um, they were going to a, a meeting to make themselves better. And it rolled over and called fire and burned nine ladies alive. But I was pregnant. How did you them out? Earlier this year, we had another one. Five little kids racing. Went off the 85 bridge. Threw, them, uh, threw two of them out. The other three were dead in the vehicle. It's just stuff like that, man. Yeah, there's a good cause. There are good calls, man. But you know what? That's nothing nobody needs to see. Right. Um, I wouldn't undo anything I've done in my career. Uh, I've had the opportunity with the guys and gals I work with to make a difference. Uh, but at the same time, when we're making a difference in somebody else's lives, we're also taking a piece of us and we're leaving it. It's okay to show emotion in this job. Some people would disagree. But if you're going to disagree with me, be mad enough to tell me in my face. Right. 
it's easy to put on a costume and act a certain way in front of a group and then come home and take it off and be your real self. That's what we need to be all the time. That's that maturity I talked about. Is being maturity, having maturity, having an attitude, having a mindset, being able to cope with all of the bad that this job brings and to focus on the good. Um, I would not change a thing about what I've done. Nothing at all. I've had my ups, I've had my downs. Thank God my my highest of highs has been a lot more frequent than my lowest of lows. And that's what we got to focus on. So when I get the opportunity to go teach at our fire academy, uh, I teach our engine and truck week. Uh, we have two a week set aside, which is very rare outside of recruit school. First thing I talk about is mental health. It's not even part of the program, mm -hmm. but I think it's something that they deserve to know. That's something we owe it to them to understand what this job has the uh, ability to do to a person and being able to, I don't want to say bottle it up. That's the worst thing we could ever do is try to bottle this stuff up because at some point the bottle is going to break. Yeah. And then that's when it goes downhill real fast. But understand it's okay to have emotion. It's okay to show that you're human. It's okay to be vulnerable. Okay. But it's also not acceptable to let that drive you to that early grade. You got to be able to persevere. You got to be able to overcome. You got to be able to show up the next day, whether it's at the firehouse, whether it's at home, and to be that person they expect you to be. Okay? Make the phone call. Go to church. Go talk to those that are most important to you, like me, me, me my dad, and my wife, my mama. You know, you know they don't. Yeah, they got names, but you know, the first name I understood with them was mom and daddy. That's who I'm going to go to. And my wife's sitting right here. She's sick as a dog right now, but I know that if I called her at two in the morning, she knows one something's wrong, and two I need her to listen. Mm -hmm. So she understands it. Her her dad retired as a uh, what was she? Kelly's the assistant chief or battalion chief. He was the assistant chief uh, out in Arizona. So she gets it. But just because she gets it doesn't mean she deserves it. Right. And I have allowed that to happen on more than one occasion. I think as I've gotten a little bit older, my little son just came here a while ago. She wants to be just like daddy. You know, she likes working out. She loves the firehouse. She likes riding fire trucks. She's not ever going to do that, though. <laughs> I don't blame you. But, you know, we owe it to ourselves. But we also owe it to the people that depend on us the most and that care about us the most. Like I said, my wife, my family, the guys at Firehouse 5, A-Shift, best crew ever had. You know, there's a lot of really good crews out there. Um, and like I said, I'm not 
<clears throat> I will the best crew you've ever had is the crew that you poured into the most. You know, so that's it, man. Uh hope I didn't uh, I hope I didn't waste your time. No, absolutely was, not. Absolutely not. Definitely not. It it was I, it was, I hate to uh, show a little uh, emotion there but you know sometimes to talk about things means you gotta think about things and yeah those are the I, I try to you know what i'm saying here let's yep. put you over here it's like uh tell us that movie with the jars of the giant BFG. yeah bfg if you ever seen bfg it's a big mm. okay uh, he takes people's thoughts and he put them puts them in jars watch it it's pretty cool okay so okay. that's what i like to try to do i like to take my thoughts bad ones and put them over here it's like right, you just stay there. <laughs> yeah, no, fine. no, no, no. Like I said, it's this. This was a great conversation. Um, you did not waste anybody's time. I'm sure anyone listening is going to enjoy this 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 conversation that we've had. I want to say thank you for accepting the invite, coming on and talking shop, being very open about certain things. Because it, to me, one of the things that ruins the fire service is ego, bravado, being a macho, hiding behind a facade that. You don't need to show emotion, toughen up, suck it up. You know, all the things that we've heard before. I know I heard coming up because that's how kind of I was raised is you just you just deal with it and move on. But, you know, we, we now know the issues that have stemmed of good individuals losing careers, losing pensions over stuff that they've seen. There's no really they have no way to get it out of them besides going down those roads that lead to nothing but trouble and issues we now know hey it's okay to to come out and talk about this stuff so i, I just want to say thank you very much for for having this conversation well then i tell you what man i think we owe we uh, all of us have had the opportunity to uh, to one meet you in person uh your your character uh is something that uh i think is for me very desirable for people uh your humility uh your attitude so i think we owe you more of a thank you than you do to us because without without people like you then we couldn't have these conversations without people like you uh we couldn't build this dialogue amongst the uh fire department community to let people know that yeah it, it's okay in certain areas or these are expectations so without having you know a uh, having you then none of this will be possible. So we owe you a thank you. I appreciate it. I really do. I'm just a small, minute, minute little organism in a in, in a in a sea of sea of, uh, sea of positivity. So I just want to say I appreciate those those words. Yes, sir. Thank, right, you. thank you. Thank you. No, thank you. Have a great day, brother. I right, you too. Bye bye. If any of the listeners out there are or know of a great firefighter who embodies the principles of being a great communicator, goal-oriented, hardworking, humble, passionate, and professional, regardless of rank, career, or volunteer, contact me at studentofthegamefirepodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, stay focused, stay committed, and stay safe.